Hi, I'm Meredith. Hi, I'm Joseph, and you are listening to Are You Waiting for Permission? It's a podcast for those who don't want to wait any longer. Joseph Bennett. Hi. Hi. Oh, my goodness. It's you again. It's really, it is. It's a different version of me because we shed cells and we grow and I'm older (laughs) than the last time I saw you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have some news for you that you may or may not be aware of. And our listener may or may not be aware of, but we're celebrating a big number today. Oh, this is what? 100? 100 episodes. Our 100th episode. And we're almost at the beginning of figuring out what it means to have a podcast. <laughs> Barely, we're just on the fringes of it. We have learned so little. No, that's we, not true. We have we, learned a we've lot. We've learned a lot and yet nothing at all. And nothing at all, which is beautiful. It is gorgeous. Well, thank you. Happy anniversary. Happy 100 number to you. Happy 100 number to you too. <laughs> I think we should order 100 cupcakes. I'll send 50 to New York City and 50 to Mexico. And then I'll have my guest, our guest, Lisa, over to my apartment because she lives in New York City to eat some of those cupcakes. Oh, wow. Could you tell us who our guest is? Yes, I can. Or so I, can. I ha- Why don't you? I did it last okay. time. Okay. So our dear Lisa DeAngelis is in New York City, as you said, her debut book, Embracing the Unknown, Exploring the Pathways to Change, offers research, wisdom, and aspirational stories, which will empower and support others in learning to navigate change in their own lives. An avid traveler, singer, and lover of the arts, Lisa lives and works in New York City. As we said, she is passionate about building meaningful relationships and helping others to live authentically. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be here today. Listener, what you don't know is that Lisa was on a delayed red eye flight last night and hasn't slept since. So (laughs) we are honored that you made time for us today. Thank you. This this really is the miracle of of energy, drawing it, drawing it up from the depths. And this is actually, I'm going to say also what the sun can do. It's a beautiful sunny day here in New York City. And when we're in these sort of deep winter months, right? February is a short month that can feel very long because of the gloomy days sometimes. Mm-hmm. So having some sun is a real relief. It's it's really great. And it's it's definitely given me that extra little boost. So thank uh, you for having me. <laughs> of course. Thank you for being here. And the, a common thing amongst New Yorkers, which I didn't realize until I moved here, is that we're all deficient in, di- in vitamin D. <laughs> I'm not surprised about that at all. <laughs> So, and I had moved here from Colorado where it's sunny. And then I'm like, what do you mean? I don't have enough vitamin D. So what I read about that years ago, correct me if I'm wrong, Meredith, is that there are so many skyscrapers, so many tall buildings, which create a lot of shade, a lot of shadow. And even the parks are not sunny oftentimes because they're in shadow. Is that, am I like barking up the right tree? I would say, I mean, probably Uh, From personal experience, I feel it's that we just spend so much more time indoors because it's gray and there's no real like motivation to want to be outside unless you're traveling to go somewhere like meet friends or work or some things. But you're not like, you know, I'm not going to go to Central Park when it's gloomy 
I might walk through it and go, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's still there. <laughs> well, and Joseph, in the summertime when it's extraordinarily hot and ridiculously humid, we are very grateful for the shade <laughs> from tall buildings and lots of tree cover. So it is it is definitely two sides of of a coin here. And yes, mm. it's it's finding the balance of being outside and enjoying everything and trying to escape that gloom. It's true. It's finding the balance. I was just in Phoenix. I got to put my face in the sun. I was like, yes, vitamin D. Mm. So Lisa, there was a time, I believe quite a long time when you thought you never had a book in you and you were never going to write a book (laughs) and you didn't know how to write a book. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to make an assumption. So you're going to correct me if I'm wrong, that there was a time when you gave yourself permission that something happened in your life and you thought, I have a book in me and I'm going to sit down and write it. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us that origin story? Yes, I would love to. And I think, I think you do have that pretty correctly. There was, there was that seed, you know, planted way in the back. And I always said, this, this maybe could be possibly something that is in my future, but I really had absolutely no clue how to do it, how to tackle something that felt like such a big feat, something that people may spend five, 10, 15 years doing. It just felt mammoth. And I, I reached a few points over the last I don't know, eight years where I would think, okay, okay, I'm just really, I'm going to start. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go. And I would sit down and write a few pages. And then I'd just think, oh gosh, what am I doing? I have no idea how to write a book. And I'd just put it aside. And the cycle would just continue repeating until finally I thought, I really, I'm going to need some support if I, if I'm going to figure out how to do this. It's not just something I can sit down and do alone. And the next week, I got an invitation to a lunch and learn session come through my email. And it was called, I kid you not, how to write and launch your book in 2022. And my first thought was clickbait, not possible. (laughs) No one can write and launch their book in a year. And I closed out the email. I literally, I closed out the email thinking, no, not a thing. And then a couple hours later, I just thought, Lisa, come on. You have literally been sitting here saying, how am I going to do this? And something comes in front of you that says, here is how you can do it. You cannot ignore this. So that's really the first piece of what this permission Mm -hmm. was. It ended up being a um, community-driven writing program. Their their tagline is never write alone. (laughs) And it's really about creating a support community for first-time authors and mm. really trying to preempt some of the challenges that authors face because it's 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 really it is mammoth it's a huge undertaking and it's a it's a way of approaching a project um that I have not I have not done explicitly before so there have been layers of permission <laughs> throughout this entire process and it's been very humbling to really have to come back to what that means time and time again, because permission isn't one of those things that you just say, okay, yes, I give myself permission to do this. And Mm. then the the gate is open. It's sort of like, oh, there's another little barrier and another gate and another, or the onion that continues to just peel Mm -hmm. back and back and back and more and more layers. So that's really, really a big piece of what this, this process has ended up being. Beautiful. So what inspired the topic in which you chose to write about? Mm, So I, uh, for about 13 years now, have been a holistic change practitioner. I certified in the Alexander Technique, which is a holistic body use technique and focuses on increasing awareness of the way you use the physical body to enhance whatever area 
you work, live, work, perform. A lot of performing artists and dancers do study the work. And that was my background. I was a classically trained singer. I was having some jaw problems and conventional routes were not working, including a doctor who told me at 18, I should have reconstructive jaw surgery, which was not something I was interested in doing. <laughs> so when I came across uh, this holistic method for approaching what it meant to change, all of a sudden, some light bulbs started going off in my system. And as I did work through the jaw problem, and I did help to correct what was happening in my whole body system that was really making it an issue when I sang, I had one of those moments where I went, ooh, this is about something way bigger. This mm -hmm. is about the ability we have to make choices on really big scales in our lives. And how can we take that ability to make choices and make the changes we want to see in our lives. And that might mean personally, that might mean professionally, that might mean trying something big and new. It just might mean doing something we haven't done in a really long time. And uh, the principles of this work really became something that have defined my life. And I really wanted to share that with other people. Mm, beautiful. I love that. Joseph, it looks like you're, you're chomping at the bit to ask a question. <laughs> and I, I don't want to it's it's a topic that has long gone past, but for some of our listeners, you know, they're not necessarily in America and they're in other countries. And you mentioned lunch and learn, and we don't know what that is. Oh, Could you describe that for us? Absolutely. So Meredith, you probably have a, a good idea of the background of this because it sort of, I think, came out of a corporate setting where... Mm -hmm. A lot of companies were offering the chance for sort of like a quick burst of a little educational or interest session, and they wanted to offer it to employees or people as part of a group as sort of a perk. And they figured a good way to do that is to bring in lunch, bring in somebody to talk over the lunch hour so they could have a condensed way to just approach a new topic that didn't feel maybe as formal or arresting as a, an educational offering in the corporate workplace, but just got people learning about new topics that weren't necessarily directly related, but could kind of branch them out. Do you think that's a fair way to describe it? Meredith? I think it's, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah, it was also yeah. created to give the speaker an additional challenge, which was people <laughs> eating while they were speaking. Exactly. Distraction, <laughs> distraction. It's huge. Mm, and right. so Joseph, especially, obviously everybody, uh, everybody had to really adapt to Zoom and virtual world. A lot of these lunch and learns are now offered virtually. So this was, this was a virtual sort of one of these just quick one hour chat sessions uh, over a lunch hour so people could come in and learn about a topic that they may not have thought about, like how to write a book. <laughs> and it changed your life, right? It, your it, life. it honestly really did change my life. Yes. Oh, beautiful. I love it. Okay. You mentioned, you mentioned a word that hasn't come up a whole lot. It's one of my very favorite words, but in all the other 99 episodes, it hasn't come <laughs> up. And that was making a choice. Right. So permission, giving ourselves permission really is a choice. And sometimes we make that choice more easily and with more confidence and with more audacity. And other times we're like, oh, yeah, this is I'm not giving myself permission to do this. So thank you for bringing up that part, because listener, I know that, you know, sometimes these choices are not easy. If they were, everyone would be giving themselves permission all the time. And Meredith and I wouldn't be needed. We wouldn't even be necessary. We wouldn't be here. I'm <laughs> going to argue with that. I would, you are still extraordinarily necessary to the world, but. 
<laughs> well, I also want to speak into choice is also a huge, I love that word choice. Oh, yeah. And there's something to be said to just a little, little tidbit story, but you know, sometimes I'm just going to share this with the people who are listeners that are maybe parents, that there are times that are very challenging and something my husband and I will do when we're having a challenging parental moment is that we will look at each other, make eye contact. And one of us will say, we chose this. <laughs> we didn't right? hear you. You have to say it a little we louder. We chose this. I said, we chose <laughs> this because we don't want our daughter to hear it. Right. We just want, we just want to check in with each other. <laughs> and you know, I love being a parent, but you do have to do that check-in with yourself and say, hey, take responsibility. This was a choice that you made. So what is it that you can do to, to get through this moment, take that responsibility and improve your life rather than letting it pull you down, if that makes sense. I love that, Meredith. And I'm also going to flip it around and say, I yeah. think it's just as valuable to recognize I didn't make that choice. And that can be an even more powerful kind of recognition for ourselves because I've had a couple of those moments where I went, mm -hmm. hold on, how am I here? I actually didn't choose this. And mm -hmm. now what can I do to get myself on the track, back on the track or on a new track mm -hmm. that I actually want to be traveling? Mm -hmm. Because there are many, many times where we just kind of fall into things or, you know, life happens to us or we feel that way. So I, I think both of those are so valid. Mm -hmm. And as much as making the choices and recognizing that we then have to really stick behind them, it is totally also valid and valuable to say, I don't know if I made that choice and I might want to, I might want to make a new one. I might want to make a new one. Lisa, mm -hmm. mm. mm -hmm. you have a story about how permission or not giving yourself permission showed up as a feeling. And I don't know that we've ever had that discussion in, in the episodes previously. Could you tell us that story and how that showed up in your body? Yeah, I, I would love to. I mean, this I really do love this little vignette story and it isn't one of those mind-shattering, earth-altering moments of permission, but it was it was really important for me. I have a very dear friend. Everyone has one of these friends who, who pushes them a little bit outside of their comfort zones. And we love those people in our lives. And at the same time, so <laughs> and at the same time, sometimes we go, why did I agree to do this? And this was, this was one of those moments for me because she had the, the wonderful idea of us doing an outdoor trapeze class together. This was, I still lived in Chicago. This was a number of years ago and uh, it was beautiful set up off the, off the um, beach. And there was a beautiful outdoor rig. And we said, Oh, Oh, this'll be fantastic. This'll be fun. Side note. I am mildly afraid of heights and not a thrill seeker. So the, this, this is important to recognize that I did say, I did, I did get talked into doing this outdoor trip. I chose this, she said. I chose I this and I will, I will, you know, take, take the consequences as they come. But I am telling you, I was watching these nine and 10 year olds the first time on, they're doing these trapeze runs. I mean, they look like they were born to do that. They are gracefully swinging. They are. And I'm just watching them thinking, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to hang on, let alone do this. And of course, it's it all felt very dramatic. You have to climb up this really big, tall ladder. You've got this harness that you have to put up, you know, all of this equipment, there's all of this buildup. And I remember climbing up this ladder rung by rung, just thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I really don't know. And each time I take a step, I just, 
you can do this. Come on. You've done, diff- you've done hard things before. Just, just keep climbing. Just keep going. So of course you get to the top of this platform. There's a, there's an instructor there and they're, they're fighting you. It's a completely safe thing. I didn't feel mentally unsafe, but the, the direction they give you before you, you go into this process of trapezing for the first time is that you need to be holding onto this bar, go onto the front of the platform and throw all of your weight forward. Now you're, you're still on, you're still holding on the bar and your feet are still on this platform but your weight is completely thrown for all of it. And mm-hmm. I, I had the rush from the tips of my toes, like straight up to my head, the hot, dizzy rush of, I really don't think I can do this. Someone needs to save me. Someone needs to tell me what to do. Someone needs to, when do I let go? How do I do this? And there was just this quiet moment, literally on the edge where I went, I have to choose. I have to give myself permission. I could back down right now, but I'm almost there. <laughs> All my weight is thrown forward. I'm holding onto this bar. All I have to do is let go. And so I remember thinking to myself, what are you waiting for? And I took a deep breath and I let go. And there we, there we had it. I did the trapeze. By the end of the day, I had completed a moving catch, which is where you literally have your legs swinging throw your hands back. They catch you, you let go, you, they swing you over. It was an amazing experience. And honestly, the freedom of, of feeling like you're that close to being able to just mm-hmm. fly soar through the air was so, so liberating. But yeah, Joseph literally on the edge of that platform was one of those moments where I went, this is what giving yourself permission feels like. And this is how uncomfortable it is to be on the edge at times. Mm-hmm. It's not something that is always so easy. And sometimes when we talk about it, we just sort of say, oh, just give yourself permission to do that. It's no big deal. You can just give yourself permission. <clears throat> sometimes it is no big deal. And at other moments, it really is that. And I have a very stubborn body who needs to learn things the hard way. So after that experience, I began to recognize what it felt like when I was close to an edge and maybe it wasn't on top of a platform, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I began to really understand what it meant to be close to something and start to get those feelings, start to get that little bit of like hot, dizzy rush of going, this is really something. And maybe mm-hmm. I just care that much. Maybe it was a big decision. Maybe it wasn't, but whatever that was, I really learned that it was more than just this, this little dialogue. It really was a moment of choice. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. And I, I did trapeze in Chicago as well. I was invited to a birthday party. <laughs> it was party probably and, the New York trapeze school. <laughs> it was. And, and you described the experience all to a T, though I wasn't as mindful as you were. I pretty much just fucking threw my body off of the thing. <laughs> well, had I not been, had, was I, were I not afraid of heights and also slightly, you know, I, again, I used to get really, really motion sick when I was younger. And so I have a thing of, you know, fast moving. <laughs> adrenaline type activities that are not my first choice always. So mm. yeah, had it not been that, maybe I would have thrown myself into. But... Who know? Well, for yeah. me, it. I mean, fear has many different shades, right? <laughs> yes. So mm. I, I sometimes just throw myself into things without thinking, but I love that intersection that you speak into. And I'm also curious about the, the, the that space where you're like, should I go or should I pull back? And now that you've become more acute to what those feelings are like, is there been a moment where you're on the edge and you're like, actually, I need to pull back. 
Like I, mm. I don't need to go forward because I feel like sometimes we get confused at that intersection about what actually is the right path to take. Mm. Absolutely. What a great question. That's huge. And yeah, it, it sort of brings me back to what I had brought up just a few moments ago is this idea of I maybe didn't choose something and it is okay to then back it up or make a different choice. Yes, I, I've equally had those two. And, you know, I'll describe it this way. Sometimes I've come across these moments where I have to reframe what's happening in front of me. And it's not always as dramatic as throwing yourself off a trapeze platform, of course. But sometimes I, sometimes I do have to remind myself that um, the stakes may not be quite as high as, mm -hmm. as I've built it up to be, or my fear has built it up to be. And so there have been moments when I've, I've done something and I've thought, you know, I'm just going to go into this thinking it's okay. If I fail, it's okay. If it's not my favorite thing, it's okay. And that does help that, that edge point to, to not feel quite so dramatic and quite so final. You know, I think we mm. live in a culture that really wants to pull us in binaries all the time. Yeah. And likes to tell us if we've made the choice, it's a street and it's a one-way street and no U-turns are allowed and we can't turn around. And really that's not, that's not true. Most of the time, any decision can be um, changed in the future. And it, some are harder than others, of course. I'm not mm. definitely not going to, um, you know, devalue the work that has to go into that mm. at times. But I do think that's it's something we culturally have to fight against. Mm. That is so beautiful, Lisa, because what I'm really cognizant of in this moment with that answer is that you're giving our listener permission to change their mind mm -hmm. and to make U-turns or to turn left when they thought they needed to turn right or to raise their hand and say, hey, wait, can I reconsider my decision, right? Mm -hmm. So thank you for that permission, because sometimes... You know, I know for myself, it's like I made a commitment, I made a decision, I'm going to stick with it, even if it's painful, or even if after a while it feels stupid or ridiculous, right? Mm. But being able to make those creative U-turns and say, hmm, let me pause here for a moment mm -hmm. and really reflect, you know, what's for my highest good? What's from what's for my family's highest good? What's for my community's mm. highest good? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'll throw in maybe two more buzzwords into that that I know are very, very popular for topics of conversation right now, which is authenticity and intentionality, <laughs> right? And that's where I think those two words come into this conversation, Joseph, is because then that really gets us back to this idea of what, what is being most authentic to myself and what, what is intentionality? Is it just following through just because I said I would do something and I don't feel great about it? Or is being intentional stopping and taking some time to think about it? Or maybe just putting a little hard pause and taking a few steps back and saying, you know, I'm going to have to re reevaluate what's happening here in my life, perhaps, you know, and again, we don't always feel like we have the option to do that. And I'm still toying in my own brain with who gives us permission to do that. I do think that comes from our own loop, right? You know, we have to, we have to be willing to, to sit in those sort of uncomfortable spaces in those moments beyond the edges, if you will, where we have the opportunity to use those moments as opportunities to really come back to, like I said, whether it's making the choice intentionally whether it's really honoring a piece of ourselves that we want to bring forward or we want to protect because both are really important. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I've been at this question of authenticity. I'm really glad you brought that up because it does get thrown around and people are like, what are you mean authentic? I am being authentic. So I want to just, I had a little analogy that popped into my head. So let's just see if this works out as I rough draft it. But for me, authenticity means that I'm really in tune with what my core values are. And so if my core values are being challenged, it's really difficult for me to show up authentically. Mm. So for example, I can, I'm that person who, if it's a restaurant and says we don't have any reservations available, or if I'm going to the airport, this is the analogy, or if I'm going to the airport and it says the lot is full, I'm that person who one of my core values is autonomy. So I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, right. <laughs> and I will, I will drive and I will find a parking spot. I will go to that <laughs> restaurant at 5 PM and say, oh no, you have a table. Like you're not going to tell not me. not waiting for permission. I am not clearly. waiting for permission. No. Right. But I, it's clear to me why I'm able to give myself permission in an authentic way. It's because one of my core values is autonomy. Mm-hmm. Right. So I wanted to throw that out there too, because it also, when we're in, when we're clear about what our core values are, it also helps us be more confident as we lead into the permissions that we're giving ourselves mm-hmm. or not giving ourselves. And what I know about you, Meredith, is another one of your core values is collaboration. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how both of those things show up in your in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and how you can balance those two. So that's what makes you such a perfect co-host for this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Truthfully, I just love the way you you both your your minds just kind of do 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 do, and then you end up in this these really really fun places. I just want to drop one more thing in just Mm -hmm. on that Mm -hmm. authenticity, you know, all of this stuff, because I have been fortunate enough to to do a bit of coursework uh, over the last number of years. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of personal development work with with horses that are specifically trained Mm -hmm. um, in in this in this arena, literally and figuratively. But one of the most fascinating things about working with horses is that they don't care how you show up. But what they do care about is if you're not honest about it. Mm. And this idea of being congruent with who you are, what you're feeling and where you are has really informed a piece of how I view authenticity. Mm. And that came out of this experience working with horses because really they, they don't, they don't trust you. If, if you're really struggling with something or you're angry or you're fe- fearful, but you're trying to put on a really happy face and and really sort of that that's not actually what your emotional state is. They pick up on that immediately and they just want nothing to do with you. Mm. <laughs> no, you know, what's hilarious though, is I hear that with horses, but I think it's true for people. We just haven't been good at naming it. We just haven't been good at naming <laughs> no, it. No, we, we've definitely, our nervous system systems have, like have this dance party behind the scenes and we don't really understand how, my nervous system is wreaking havoc on your nervous system in this moment, depending on what's going on. It could also be bringing lots of like joy, right? To your nervous Mm. system. But it's, I love that you brought that up. I really do because I feel we are systemically intertwined that way. And wouldn't that be lovely if it was like, my nervous system is a little bit out of whack and I'm going to go need to, you know, I did that just before this call. I just said to Mm -hmm. Joseph, I'm like, I won't be present because my nervous system is having a really difficult time. Mm. And you all will feel that consciously or not. 
Mm-hmm. And Thank I think you. by voicing it, by naming it, and really just putting it out there on the literal and proverbial table, I, it opens up some more space. It By mm-hmm. you being really authentic and congruent mm-hmm. with who you are, it again resonates this idea of what it means for others to be able to have safety to do the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so important. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like a lot when you're in the moment, you know, when mm-hmm. someone's saying, <laughs> how's your week been going? And you've had a horrible week that the inclination to just say, Oh, it's great. You know, Mm -hmm. everything's going fine. But what if, what if we just showed up and said, actually, it's really, it's really sucked. It's really Mm. been terrible. And I'm struggling. I'm struggling right now. Yeah. The other person has to do something about it. 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 Exactly. It just gives their space for it to be. And that's a huge, that's another huge layer of permission, you know? Oh my God. This is a whole nother podcast episode (laughs) because I think there's that piece too, because then you get into toxic positivity and then people Mm. feel fearful to be able to share themselves, but actually you get to heal when you say from an authentic place, I'm struggling. And then, and then to be just witnessed Mm -hmm. all that. Sometimes that's all it takes. It's just to be Mm -hmm. seen. And then it goes, okay, now I'm in the process of healing that I can move on to the next thing. And then bring more of that light into my, into my sphere. Yeah, Joseph. A quick story. When I was first starting out doing a little tiny bit of presentations and talking in front of people, I was super nervous, like armpits, sweaty, clammy, like I didn't like it, but I believed in the topic and the topic was mm-hmm. suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. So I would get up in front of groups, relatively small groups, like a classroom at college and things like that. And I would tell the truth. TTT. I talk to my clients about this all the time. Tell the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm really nervous about being here. I would rather be in the dental chair having root canal <laughs> right now. However, I really believe in this. And I think that you might find it to be valuable. Whatever I said at the moment, right? I would tell the truth and two things that would happen. And I think this is a nice segue from what Lisa said is that, you know, the room would start to shift and all this love would come towards me and just all this authenticity and and taking care of myself. But also I felt more relaxed because I wasn't, you know, on horse, you know, pretending everything was great and smiling and inside my nervous system was all wacko. Um, And listener, if any of this resonates with you, please find Confidently Speaking with (laughs) Meredith Grundy on Wednesdays (laughs) at 5 p.m. New York City time, because that has also helped. I've been in Confidently Speaking with you for a couple of years now, and you're having a retreat in San Miguel de Allende. Mm -hmm. So um, where can people find that, my dear? And then Lisa, I'm going to ask you afterwards where people can find you. Oh, Joseph, thank you. Yes. And I want to add to the, to just speaking your truth and to speak it unapologetically. There's no one in that room that you need to please. I second. Yes. (laughs) So confidently speaking, I appreciate you brought that up. It's, um, it's a membership. It's confidently speaking, like you said, four to 5 PM Eastern time. And we do improv improv for speakers. And then we have an opportunity to practice. So if you're someone who's practicing a pitch or a story, whether that's your origin story or a talk or a presentation, you have a community, a safe, brave community Mm. that you can do that in. And yeah, we're having a retreat. I'm super excited about it. So that is members.confidentlyspeaking.fun because it's fun. (laughs) I love that. Lisa, where can people connect with you? 
Thank well. you so much. Yes. Yeah, so my website is www.lisadangelis.com. Just my name spelled out. Uh, has information about me, my background, my upcoming book, as Joseph is so kind this to month, mention. Right? It's this month, right? It's this month. It's this month. I am so, it, it's surreal to be completely honest, but I am I am so excited. And um, I'll be releasing an ebook and then a paperback. The ebook will come out, you know, a, a 99 cent special for the first couple of weeks. So that'll be easy to grab. And if if you're a, if you're a real uh, hard, per, you know, hardcover person, We've got the real version coming soon too. And so the name of the book, the name of the book is Embracing, yeah. say it. Embracing the unknown, exploring the pathways to change. <laughs> I love it. Embracing the unknown. I love that title. Yeah, thank you. And gosh, this is just, it's such a joy to be able to speak about this. I feel like we're just starting to make it a more regular topic of conversation. And it is mm -hmm. so important to just be speaking about the, the ability we have to give ourselves and grant others permission. Cause I really am a believer that when, when it happens for one of us, it starts to ripple out and, and we give each other permission mm -hmm. each time. Beautiful. Oh, well, thank you, Lisa. This was such a pleasure to have you. And I cannot wait to uh, meet with you in person here in New York City. Likewise. Joseph thank Meredith, you for being here, listener. So we appreciate you. And Meredith Grundy, happy 100. Happy 100. <laughs> Bye. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Are You Waiting for Permission? If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, we want to give a special shout out to Amy Shelley and Gary Grandi of High Fiction for letting us use their music in this podcast. All right, my friends, until next week. Bye. <laughs>